Welcome to A Pipe With Nature. Don't stand so, don't stand so, don't stand so close to me. And why is that so? Why must you stay two metres back from me right now, not that we're in the same room? Yeah, two metres from my laptop screen, just in case, because you are, you have an infectious personality. Let's call it that. Oh, so you cutie. No, I take it back, I take it back, I take it back. Well, because of this thing called coronavirus, I guess, right? Yeah, this thing going around at the minute. What was it? Hands, hands, face, face. But it has been a year, just over a year now. It's been the anniversary recently of the first lockdown in the UK. And it seems only fitting that we do an episode all about how corona has positively impact the nature of the earth as much as possible we'll, we'll stay positive because yeah you know there's been a lot of negativity at the minute hasn't there so what we want to do this isn't a negative episode at all we're we're trying to look at the positives about what corona has done for nature since we're we're a podcast all about nature yeah and do you want to know the biggest positive of this week so well i think it's our special guest it might just be andrew welcome <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot. Thank you very much, Sorrel. Uh, I'm very is. happy to be here. Yeah. I would, though, like to say that I voted for Love Lockdown as the intro song. But, yeah. you know, bygones be guy, bygones. You got my love locked down. My love locked down. You got my love locked down. My love locked down. got my love locked down. My love locked down. You got my love locked down. You lose. Thank you for making me feel very welcome, Sorrel. Exactly, got to make our guests welcome. We can't be we can't be an exclusive podcast. We're a, or an inclusive podcast. We're a family, and that goes out to all our listeners as well. We're a family. Loyal guys. listeners. Loyal lovely listeners. listeners. We are lovely, very loyal, loyal Sorrel. Listeners. Very loyal, very lovely, and you're very listening. Yeah. Well, it seems like a good point to start this podcast off for our lovely fact fans out there for a little fact about the beer that we're drinking this week. Because that's right, it's a corona-based episode, so you've guessed it. We're drinking Guinness. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 the Corona brand, or the value of the brand, has dropped by a hundred and twelve million pounds. That's a lot. That is a Ooh. lot. Yeah. But despite that, the beer brand that owns Corona is still the world's most valuable beer brand. Yes, AB InBev. They are the one of the largest brewers, and they own all sorts, uh, predominantly Budweiser, which is one of the best-selling uh, brands in the world. And yeah. so they they include Corona. Uh, extra in that figure. That's a good point. Corona extra. It's not just Corona. It's Corona. Yeah, correct. Extra. Extra. You've what? got to differentiate somehow, haven't you? Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. And you'd probably expect in the long term that Corona would now have. Uh, it's got a bigger name, if anything. Yeah. So in the long term, once everyone's had their vaccine, everyone will be piling on the Corona extras. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if they'll ever make that 112 million pounds back just from in you know in the long run from people going, oh, do you remember that? Do you remember that thing that happened? Beer. It's usually how stuff works anyway, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think if there's one thing we've all turned to in the last year, it's probably been beer, to be honest, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, look at us. We, we've started a whole podcast about it. 
That's, that's, that's how extreme it's become. <laughs> I can't lie, it's been rum for me. It's been rum. Oh, really? I mean, I have my fair share of beer as well, but yeah. rum's been the saviour, really. You got any rums that are your favourite at the minute that you'd like to recommend? Red Leg. Red Leg? Interesting. Yeah. Um, spiced? Yeah, of course. Always. Yeah, yeah, just like your personality. Oh. Right. Whilst we're drinking this lovely beer, it seems like a, a good point to move on and talk a little bit about how nature has been impacted positively in the last year by the coronavirus pandemic. So, I'll ask you first, Cyril, what have you been looking at this week? Well, I think one of the main things that I think everyone has noticed about coronavirus is it's not necessarily the virus itself. What humans have done to combat coronavirus that has then had the impact on nature or the environment because lockdowns are the main things that have caused a change in the environment because it's basically shut off human activity as we know it. One of the main things that wildlife, you know, those animals that we that we care and love, they exist in our national parks. And one of the things that has actually bounced back are the populations of animals that exist in these national parks because there have been no visitors from humans, you know? So one of the one of one of my favourite animals, just because it's such a funny looking animal, is the dugong, which is also known as the sea cow. And it's a vulnerable species, but in a in a it's national also known as the manatee. They, oh, is the sea cow the same as the manatee? There you go. The manatee, sea so. cow and dugong. Are dugongs the same as manatees? Maybe not. Maybe I'm lying. There is a difference. There is a difference. So particularly in the snout, so the snout of the dugong is broad, short and trunk like and faces downwards with a slit for a mouth. Whereas the manatees have a short snout with a divided upper lip that curls around plants near the wa water surface. Oh, also, dugongs actually are, are actually just smaller than manatees on average. Oh, okay, there you go. Well, so I was wrong, Yeah, but there we go. You could have been right. Every day is a school day. Exactly, yeah, well, we're learning. That's what this podcast is about, you know. We're learning, we're educating ourselves and the audience, which is amazing, you know, education. Stay in school, kids. But yeah, so we'll talk about the dugongs. There was actually 30... Also known as the manatee. <laughs> Before two manatee sumo wrestlers wrestle, what do they strike to start the fight? A golf club. Dugong. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> How did I miss that? That was stressful, that was. I felt the real time pressure like bearing yeah. down on me to get that right. It was like countdown, Yeah, I mean, well it? done for getting it, Andrew, but... Thank Sorry, you. Sorry, just got to go back to you there for a second. You said golf club. Yeah. Would you like to elaborate at all? Man a tea, golf tea, and a man put a man and a tea together. Isn't a man a tea different from a dugong? Who <laughs> solved this puzzle now? Anyway, there were 30 dugongs caught on camera in the Hachau Mai, Hachau Mai? Hachau Mai National Park, where tourism was just grounded to a halt because of the coronavirus outbreak. And that meant that, you know, these sea cows could could come back to the area where they are originally from. So I think that's the main positive to start with is the lack of humans in, in national parks and national reserves has led to an explosion of, of life from these creatures that should have been exploding in those areas anyway. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Sorrel, because they're not the only example. There are many, many examples out there. The thing is that some of them, you've got to determine the fact from the fiction. Because one of the main things that I remember going around was dolphins had returned to Venice for the first time in decades. I remember that. Yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. It's a myth. Oh, really? It's not true. It's not true. It is true that Venice canals have been cleaner. Yeah. Particularly cruise ships stopped going there. But no, dolphins have not returned. 
What is true, though, since January 2020, on the Adriatic coast, there has been an increase of up to threefold of the number of flamingos found on certain beaches. So, for example, the Narton Lagoon used to only have around a thousand flamingos, and in the last year, they've seen an influx to up to three thousand flamingos. And other beaches in the world have also seen the similar things. So, areas on the Indian coast, for example, have seen 25% rises in the number of flamingos going there. So there are species that are definitely going back to areas that they should be in, in bigger numbers, but now are going back there more because humans aren't inter interfering as much. Yeah, I like that. I would like to add though, Elliot, I don't think you've been quite up to date with your research. Ooh. So I think you'll find, Elliot, uh, if you'd actually been up to date with your research, that although there was a myth last year going around about dolphins in, uh, in Venice, in just the last week, They've actually had two striped dolphins in the canals in Venice. Oh, no way. Yeah, so uh, although there was that early myth during the first lockdown that everybody got very excited about, only to find out wasn't true, it has actually become reality uh, just this week. That's amazing. Unfortunately, though, unfortunately though uh, the, the dolphins use sound waves to orientate themselves and find out uh, where to go and, and where they are themselves. And unfortunately, because of the local vessels within the canals, they actually got lost for about four or five, six hours in the day. And so the Coast Guard had to go out and try and flush them out of the canals in Venice to try and get them back out into the Adriatic Sea. And they actually lost them for a couple of hours. They simply could not find them. Uh, and they, they suspected they'd actually been lost in the canals for like up to a day, uh, but they think they had managed to find their way back. It's all right, because dolphins aren't the only things, of course, getting stuck in canals recently. E ever given a... Ah. Oh, we yeah. stay up to date, people. We stay up to date. Well, apparently you don't with dolphins, but you do with boats. I can see where your interests really lie. It's an interesting point that you raised there, actually, Andrew, because they're not the only animals that do get affected by noise pollution. Because there have been many other animals that, throughout this coronavirus pandemic, have been finding that because of reduced noise pollution, they are seeing benefits. As an example, I'll give one oceanic and one terrestrial. Humpback whales, or whales in general, of course use big booming whale sounds. Can you give me an example there, Sol? Do you remember the scene in uh, Finding Nemo where Dory claims that she can speak whale? Yeah. That's what you sound like right now. Oh, uh, that's, that's bad then. Yeah. I don't want to sound like someone who can't speak whale, but it's trying to. I want to sound like someone who can speak whale. And funnily enough, with you're from Wales, so. <laughs> that was a very accurate whale noise there, so. Thank you. But without the noise pollution, it has been found that whales, in particularly in this certain studies, humpback whales, have been able to communicate further, which is really, really cool. And this actually stems originally from research done back in 2001 just after the 9-11 attack. And what was found was that the stress levels of humpback whales in the local area around New York actually went down. And that is because there were fewer boats in the water following the 9-11 attacks due to people wanting to stay indoors a bit more afterwards. And they're finding similar things now that they can communicate further and actually they communicate more and scientists are starting to think we might be able to understand whale communication better by studying them through periods such as this. Yeah, I think there's two really important findings that have been taken back from the period post 9-11 and now, uh, when the shipping was basically cut off off the, the east coast of America. The first being, like you said, that the, the whales are able to communicate 
of much further distances. So we know that blue whales, their communication range has dropped by about 90% since about 1960, when the first studies have really, really put in place. Um, and obviously that's critical for their reproduction and finding other pods for mating. And the second thing is also that they found back in uh, post 9-11, that those whales off the East Coast, once the shipping had stopped, that their levels of stress hormones, such as cortisol, had dropped significantly. And of course we think of stress as, as quite a, a human thing, it's quite anthropomorphized mm. in that sense. But it actually has very many effects on the body, such as your immune system is, is basically down-regulated. So your energy is basically taken away from your immune system and shifted towards other things during periods of stress. And so your immune, immune system is down-regulated during that period. And that occurs across all different animals. And so not only are these whales unable to find uh, other, other, other parts of their species, and other mates, but they're also unable to fight off diseases. And this is that kind of double whammy effect that we see. And that's something that we've seen obviously not happen in the last year where we've seen a, a reduction in the noise underwater. That actually brings me perfectly onto my terrestrial example because the other example I was gonna give is birds. Because birds in urban areas have actually been found to sing at a higher pitch and at a louder volume than their countryside equivalents. And this singing at a higher pitch, at a higher volume, takes up more energy. Energy which, of course, as you were just saying, Andrew, could instead be invested in other activities such as growth or immune response. So we are potentially going to see, during times like this, that animals such as birds and such as whales are healthier because they don't have to put as much of their energy towards the sound that they make. The effect on birds has been quite uh, profound, especially in urban settings. Mm. Um, so for instance, a, a good species that's been looked at is the white-crowned sparrow. I think their Latin name is Zonotrichia leucophorus. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. You think that might be the Latin name, do you, Andrew? Oh, I Google translated it and listened to it back a couple of times, yeah. but I gave it a go. <laughs> Usually uh, my job to mispronounce things. Yes, Elliot, you're right. There's a large amount of mispronunciation on this podcast every single week from yeah. yourself. Yeah. But anyway, back to the birds, the little sparrows. So they've actually been a really good model animal for many years, looking at communication and how they're evolving and what signals they're showing off. So they've been studied for, for many, many decades, uh, particularly by a professor, Derry Berry, which I think is just a great uh, name for name. studying birds. Yeah. I assume they do a lot of baking in their spare time. Nice. Terrible, terrible. Anyway. Oh yeah, terrible, 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 yeah, yeah. But no, it, it's, it's a lot like being in a loud pub or a loud bar. When people are speaking around you, the environment is very, very loud. You tend to pick up your own uh, speech. And this is exactly what happens with the birds. When there's lots of urban noise, lots of cars going past, lots of air conditioners going off, they have to speak louder. I like that. I think going back to what you said, Andrew, that whole thing about stress, do you think it is impacted humans? Do you think levels of stress have changed over lockdown and all this coronavirus that has meant that we have changed in our behaviour as well? Do you think that is using yeah. as the same sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's very, very difficult to uh, quantify. It's the first thing. Mm. It's very difficult to measure these 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 things. Uh, you can measure someone's cortisol level, uh, but obviously that's not something that's done to most people. And I think you'll also see there's lots of differences between people, lots of variations. So some people have, have really taken quite badly to this lockdown. I certainly have had times where, you know, it can be very boring. It can be very almost depressing and lonely at times. But on the flip side, and I think this very much relates to the, the topic of this episode, is that lots of people have suddenly had the chance to realise what's outside the window and what's, what, what's in the park down the road. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people uh, have suddenly gained a much greater appreciation of, of nature and biodiversity 
that is actually very, very close to them. Even those people that live in urban areas uh, and in the major cities, perhaps they've actually decided to realise, given this opportunity, to see how much biodiversity and how much nature there is that is literally just down the road from them and the benefits that that can bring. I guess that's what we're saying about nature in this respect as well, that we've got all these different animals exploring new areas because they've gone up. Now's the best opportunity to go and visit New York because there's no people about. Oh, I might as well. I might as well. Yeah, might as well go. Not, might as well go traveling. Go. Wales in the in the Hudson, you know. Might as well, might as well go traveling down to see what's there. See 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 the oh, Times Square and all that. Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's. I mean, the first the first time that cougars were ever seen in Santiago, one of the big cities in Chile, the first time that they were seen was during this. It, we, in the urban environment was uh, during this lockdown, which is, you know, exactly that. I think they were just, and they had to be actually be removed from the city because obviously they are, they're a danger to to people. And when everyone was getting back to normal, they had to actually be removed, not 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 killed, just taken back to the taken back to their wild environment. But it's it's one of those things where they just because everything was so silent, they just got really curious. And I think you know, as you say, it's what it's what we were doing. So you know, let them, you know. I think you're right. I think think places across the world have seen that. I think there's been all sorts of animals and and jaguars turning up in in India to goats turning up in in Welsh villages, uh, which I'm surprised (laughs) you didn't bring up as a Welshman, uh, a proud Welshman that you are. But that's a very good point is that that not only has nature come to us, but we've been more happily receiving nature and happy to, to look out for nature and what it's bringing to us. And I think that's very important looking forward, especially with uh, the pandemic, because there are lots of associations and factors that that really correlate between our destruction of biodiversity and destruction of of natural habitats and the the incidence of these diseases. And so although this is meant to be a very positive episode, it's quite important to stress the fact that there is a severe risk of these pandemics reoccurring if we continue to do the behaviors that we that mm. we currently have and destroying wild nature and disturbing that ecosystem that has been developing for for the history of the earth mm-hmm. yeah i mean one of these uh not necessarily everybody it's not going to be everyone's favorite negative this one one negative that came out of the lockdown especially in in cities in the uk and across europe was pigeons were getting <laughs> were, <laughs> Oh, yeah, if you could talk yeah. one negative of lockdown. Oh, the pigeons have been driving me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, actually, goodness. they were... You say that... They, they probably haven't cool. been fed for nine months. That's exactly it. They, they Is it? They were at risk of starvation over that first lockdown period. And so many uh, animal activist groups went out and protested and went and fed them and went against lockdown rules because... That because they don't they don't, they weren't getting fed. There wasn't enough litter that they could pick off of in urban cities, and there wasn't enough people actually going out and feeding them. Pigeons were actually one of the the main sufferers of of the whole lockdown. Although you know a lot exactly why people I would say people wouldn't agree with me saying oh that's a bad thing because a lot of people don't really get along with pigeons. But yeah, I mean pigeons aren't the only ones. So I've been seeing a lot online about in particular like South and Southeast Asian countries like. Like macaques and other monkeys sort of live quite close to humans and particularly enjoy being fed by, by tourists as well. Mm. They have been struggling and, and plagues of monkeys, you'd almost say. Probably bad to say plagues during a pandemic, but still. Plague. Plagues of monkeys <laughs> have apparently been fighting for food often in parts of the streets of certain areas because there's just not as much coming in anymore from 
locals and tourists alike. Mm. Well, I've heard I've heard similar about about ducks. You know, I think yeah. everybody grows up feeding ducks with bread. Yeah. And then uh, that, a lot of people have heard that you're not supposed to do that. You're correct, Elliot, because it actually disrupts their digestive system to to be eating bread. There is a there is an issue there. I think everybody grows up feeding ducks bread, and then perhaps a lot of us get to a certain age and we're taught that that's a very bad thing to do. It's very bad for their digestive systems. And something like lettuce is a much better alternative. It's also probably cheaper as well, which is a weird thing. Let us discuss that. Yes, wow. let us discuss that. No, it's, it's, it's one of those little things that makes a difference probably to the ducks. But you're right, during lockdown, people were saying that the transition of, of people saying, don't feed ducks bread, that's a bad thing to do. And they missed out the second part, which was just feed them lettuce instead. They missed that second bit. Uh, and there was actually, there's actually been quite a worry about the fact that the duck population in the UK is gonna decline quite significantly because people are gonna stop feeding them bread because they're not gonna feed them lettuce because they just think they didn't get that second part of the message. Yeah. They didn't get that second piece of advice. They just heard, don't feed them bread. And so they stopped and feeding them bread. And now the duck population is gonna crash. Well, here you go. This is, if there's any advice this week, is actually uh, Andrew's piece of advice. We got special guest, Andrew P of advice if you're going to go to the park don't take a loaf of bread take an iceberg lettuce instead yeah i would agree with that i'd probably take a beer it rhymed, actually it rhymed that as well sorry. yeah it a rhymed. beer for yourself a lettuce for the ducks yeah. yeah there you go that's perfect yeah i wasn't advocating for feeding the ducks beer that's no not yeah, the best yeah, idea. yeah yeah we'll, we'll make that clear now let us move on ah. to talk not about noise pollution as we were earlier but air pollution and more specifically how air pollution during corona has massively decreased. And if you look across the board in Europe, every country has reduced the amount of nitrogen dioxide they are producing, as well as the amount of particulate that they are producing. And the biggest change has been seen in Spain, where there's been 61% less nitrogen dioxide emitted in the last year uh-huh. in compared to years before it. Why so much in Spain? Well, it's due to combustion engines isn't it the release of no2 so i guess spain did a really good job of reducing the amount of cars that they used to get around but in for example barcelona and madrid there was a 50 percent and 62 percent reduction in no2 concentration respectively so i guess in the major cities the amount of car use just went down quite a lot but but spain but spain wasn't the only one france reduced the no2 percent by 52 percent United Kingdom by 45% in the space of a year in comparison to the years previous. There are a lot of countries across Europe that really, really reduced their NO2 production and CO2 as well and particulate. And this is important because as one example, other than, of course, the, the climate change example, which is so important globally, but a more local scale, wild pollinators such as bees, we throw back to the Hiver episode can smell flowers better if there are declines in air pollution. That's pollution cool. down, hopefully bees up. Yeah, pollution down, bees up. I like that, I like that. But I think it's time uh, you stop polluting this conversation with pollution facts and we started polluting this conversation with something a little more up our street, which is what we refer to as the fact off. Yes, that's, a, that's a very good point, Cyril. It is time to move on to our fact off. And I would unfortunately like to congratulate you on winning last week's fact off. Well done, Sorrel. Thank you very much. Thank Congratulations, you very much. Sorrel. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take the win. I'll take the win. Who, who did you vote for, Andrew? Sorrel. Of course. 
Yeah. I always back the winner. Well, of course, this week our lovely listeners, our lovely fact fan listeners, you will be voting between not not one, not two, but three people. That's right. You definitely won't be voting between one person because that would be a pointless vote. Yeah, not that would. Yeah, yeah. There are three people to vote between this week. We have Andrew joining us in our lovely fact office. And I know you won last week, so you might think, oh, winners go first. But no, guests go first. I'll allow it. That's a lot of pressure, but I'll, I'll pressure. take it. But I reckon you can well, play, Andrew. Yeah, okay. Fact, I'll start then. Fact number one. There is evidence to suggest that COVID passed from pangolins to humans. But do you know what baby pangolins are called? Any guesses? Ooh. Oh, I'm gonna say uh, pango littles. Pango littles, Elliot? Pangolangolins. Nope, it's pango pups. Oh. Oh. That's cute, isn't it? That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. That's, cute. That's, cute. That's good, I like yeah. that. That's nice. That is a nice cute fact to start us off. Pango pups, I like that a lot. What's a group of pangolins called? A pangolangolang. <laughs> <laughs> A pang, a panga gang. <laughs> yeah. A, a gang, a gang of pangs. There's no official collective noun for pangolins as they are a solitary species. Oh, what? Wow. Pangolins are also not very well known, apparently. That's Google. All right. Well, shape up then, people. Start searching pangolins to prove Google wrong. Yeah, here we go. Everyone listening, please search pangolin right now. Let's get those searches up for those lovely pangolins. Those pango pups and those gang of pangolins. Don't use Google. Use Ecosia. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, great shout out. Shout out, Cozy again. Yeah, that's, I like that. I like that. And I, I also, pups. I mean, double, oh. double fact almost there, Andrew, by saying that there's no collective noun for a pangolin. Yeah. yeah, that is also very true. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. All right then. Sorrel, as yeah. you did win last week, I'll let you go. I'll go uh, next. Me, I'll go next. So you go. So we've been talking a lot about how human impact has, well, the lack of human impact has meant that a lot of animals can explore. And one of those examples happened in South Carolina in the US, where there was an alligator, an alligator that came from a lake where they live. (laughs) (laughs) And all he had to do was cross a road. I mean, it's not very far. Why did the alligator cross the road? Why did the alligator cross the road? Why did, this is the fact then, I'll I'll phrase it to you in a question. Why did the alligator cross the road? Why? To get to the shopping centre. An alligator in South Carolina, while the shopping centre was closed, the security for the building found a huge male alligator roaming the shopping centre. Well, didn't they lock it? You would have thought they would have locked it, wouldn't you? I mean, as a security guard's job, you're going to roam the shopping centre, but... I guess, I mean, the security guard in, this, in himself or herself had to get into the shopping centre to begin with, so maybe they left the door open behind them. No disrespect to shopping more security guards. I'm sure there's many a thing to do, but number one on my checklist would probably be to lock the doors. Yeah. Especially when I know there's alligators Yeah, yeah, around. exactly. Number one, but you know, lock the doors. Number me. two, check for alligators. So yeah. actually, no. Number one, he should have done number one, check for alligators. Number two, lock yeah, the doors. Yeah, and then locked. Yeah, you don't want to lock but, yourself but, in yeah, with an alligator. Yeah, he locked the doors and then he checked for alligators which mm-hmm. which was the wrong order to do it so at least but they've learned their lesson so it is every day is a school day every day is a school day yeah but there you go yeah so alligators in shopping centers all because we weren't there that's my that's my first fact yeah oh on to you on to you very nice first story. fact for you it is my first fact during lockdown many businesses have been affected of course and many have lost a lot of money including zoos yeah 
Mm. And there's been a lot of negatives because, of course, you have to pay to look after the animals. But not only that, but a lot of the more intelligent and social animals, such as gorillas, otters, and meerkats, have apparently demonstrated behaviour that suggests they are actually missing the human visitors that come to see them in the zoo. So not only are we not allowed to go and see them, but they are actually missing us and want us to go back. And in the Arana Wildlife Park in New Zealand, some of the keepers have actually said that many of the rare and endangered animals continue to show up for their daily meet the public sort of talks that they do. But is that not just because they're expecting a meal at some point or some kind of treat? I mean, yes, it's probably a bit of the training part. That's very true, Andrew. Thank you for reading my fact. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm certainly just curious to learn. But No, but certainly they have been showing behaviour of of missing the humans that come to see them. But it's not all doom and gloom and missing humans. Because actually, during lockdown, Ocean Park in Hong Kong has had Yingying, one of the resident pandas, become pregnant after 10 years of attempts. And they reckon it could be due to lack of people, the lack of visitors yeah. well, to see the pandas. Oh, no. Yeah. So some animals are missing you, others, such as the panda, are not. Oh, glad you're not there because nice. it gives them time to. Yeah get down to busyness well, i like that i like that i mean it's yeah so there's something we can point out here when when zoos do reopen they are the uk ones are especially good at promoting conservationism and they're pretty good at maintaining the welfare of the animals in the zoos so please go and visit them get their get their money back up and go see those yeah. those animals that are missing you especially if you look up your local zoo and have a look what they do it's a good way of supporting conservation which at the moment has been obviously put on the, the back burner a little bit during the, the pandemic. Yeah. It's a nice, easy... As outlined to... by this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is what conservation... <laughs> this is what conservation has become. Lockdown. Three guys sat with beers at their laptops. Yeah. 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 And with that, Andrew, your second and final fact. My second and final fact comes back to the birds that were mentioned earlier. When we're talking about the, the noise pollution and the effect that that has had on birds... The model species that is often used is called the male white-crowned sparrows in San Francisco. I'm going to go to the more obscure fact that I found about these, and that is that scientists have found that they can walk at about a third of one mile per hour on a treadmill, quote, without tiring out. (laughs) That's what science in the 21st century has brought you. And I'm, a, I'm all here for it. That's something that has been one of the most pressing questions on my mind in the past few years is uh, how far can the male white crown sparrow walk on a treadmill? At what speed? And also, Sorrel, did you know that yesterday? I didn't. I didn't. Well, every day is a school day. school day. Yeah, there we go. nice, nice. Every day is a double school day. Right. So this species of bird, not only can they walk at a third of a mile per hour on a treadmill without tiring, as we found out, but the males themselves are actually bilingual. They can speak two different dialects, right? So when they are first hatched from the egg, they start to pick up the local dialect, the song that is not necessarily Spanish, mostly North American, but you know, you're not far off. Again, Italian, a little far away, but you know, you're on the right tracks. These these male sparrows are actually bilingual. So when they hatch on the egg, finish. they pick up- No, don't finish, I finished. Good fact. <laughs> 
Already said it, already used it, already used oh, it. That was so accidental. So also the males of, of these sparrows are actually bilingual. So when they hatch, they start to pick up the local dialect of the males around them that are, are singing. And so if they're on a border, they can actually pick up two different song dialects. And so they can actually become bilingual and talk to different uh, dialects of the females within different populations. Oh, well, there you go. That's a, that's a d- double, double fact. Though. Double, double. A double fact. Day. I've heard them said before on this podcast. I thought yeah. I'd, I'd give it a try. Yeah, yeah and, it's, and I think it's paid off. Double trouble. It's Sorrel's turn. <laughs> fact. All right, I'm going back to the US and talk about something positive that used to be something negative. And I guess it still is something negative, but it's actually more positive, even though it's probably still a negative. Basically, neutral let's say, let's say neutral let's, let's cut out the middleman fatal vehicle collisions not where the people in the car have died but where the animal has died so animal collisions where the animal has died roadkill roadkill in the u.s of big animals so not like squirrels or birds or anything like that deer and elk and moose and all that and elephant yeah it, yeah those, those famous u.s elephants yeah Blue whales, they're pretty big. Blue whales, they, they love more, to. Yeah, there yeah. probably are more in the US, I bet. I bet there are. In zoos, yeah, probably collections. Yeah, blue whales, yeah. I think you're right with that one as well. They, they love crossing roads, don't they? Why, did the, blue, so why did the blue many... whale cross the road? Couldn't find the ocean. Because <laughs> he was having a whale of a time. <laughs> oh, that's better. That's better. We'll that's go better, with that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. worse. Yeah, but fatal animal collisions with big animals in the US, because of lockdown, because of coronavirus, actually reduced in 2020 by 58%. They fell by 58%. Surprising, because you'd think that people are more likely to travel by road than they are by, uh, say, aircraft. Yeah. and you Under the thought, restrictions. You would have thought that there would have been, as we said, you know, more of these wild animals exploring more urban environments, right? As well. But I guess overall, the decline in cars meant that it fell by 58%. The American elephants live to fight another day. They do, and, and those blue whales as well. Why did the American elephant cross the road at the same time as the American blue whale? To put the blue whale in its trunk of its car. Catch some oil? No, because fatal animal collisions in the US fell by 58% in the year 2020. <laughs> Yeah. He's not wrong. He's not, He's not wrong. wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong though at all. I like that sort of answer. Bring us home. Bring us home. Bring us home. Alright. During lockdown, I think there's one thing we can all agree. In the last year we've probably done more than any other time in our lives. We've watched a lot more films. I don't know about you guys, but I think in the last year. Disney Plus and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that sort of stuff has been a bit of a saviour. But one film that I think many of us finally sat down to watch, and it's a film that you might not have seen before, is Contagion. Did you guys watch Contagion at all during lockdown? I didn't. didn't I'd watched it a few years ago, to be honest. Foresight is a... The whole... The whole whole bats below the event scenario had had already existed in my... Mm. mentality. Well, it's a film that came out in 2011, for those of you who haven't seen it, and it's all about the world dealing with, you've guessed it, a national pandemic. International. And many people at the time. International, right? What did I say? National. An international pandemic. Nice. Can I also just add that what's, what adds to the film's credibility now is that the pandemic starts from a a market or a farm in China and is a respiratory disease. So there's many, many links to what is happening now. Yeah. Not that it has any real correlation. And in fact, there is so much of a link, Andrew, that the health secretary of the United Kingdom, Matt Hancock, has actually admitted that he viewed the film Contagion before making his decisions 
about how the rollout of the vaccines no was going to occur. <sighs> he claimed in the film it shows the moment of highest stress around the vaccine program is not before it's rolled out when the scientists and manufacturers work together at pace. It's afterwards when there is a huge row of the order of priority. And Matt Hancock said that it was the film Contagion that was one of the main influences for the government's approach to place huge orders with multiple vaccine manufacturers as early as possible. And that was due to the film Contagion. There you go. But there we are. End of episode 10. And also, end of the season as well, ladies and gentlemen. This oh, is. Oh, Sorrel, don't make me cry. This is the season finale. 10 episodes a season. Here we are, rounding up with a very special guest with Andrew. And we'll be back again very shortly. We're only taking a, what, like a week break. It's not like wow. the seasons are going to be, it's not going to be next year or anything. It'll be a week. Short or, interlude. Short interlude where we just uh, recuperate ourselves and, you know, get ourselves back in one piece from, from all this hard work. Again, make sure to get your votes in to our Instagram page at Apartment Nature. Let us know who you thought won the fact off. I know who I thought won. I'm guessing, Andrew, I think you know who you thought won. Definitely Elliot. Ah. Oh, that is so nice. Thank you, Andrew. Elliot, who do you think you won? I also thought I won. (laughs) 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 I thought it was a good facts all around. I thought it was a very good one. There we are. Thank you very much for staying tuned for the whole of season one. We will see you in a couple of weeks' time for season two. Yeah. And thank you very much for for having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Thank Thank you very much much for having me. Yeah. Thank you very much, Andrew. You've been an absolute, you've been the specialist of special guests. You have. You have. Andrew, would you like to. uh, Oh, closing remarks. Closing remarks. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to the next series. Good night. Good night. Good night.